<laughs> that would really reach the kids. The singing senior moment? Yeah, with the barbershop quartet? No, like... Oh, with that. oh that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a senior moment, senior moment, da-da-da-da. No. Senior moment, senior moment. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, guys, I think we just recorded it. I think that was it. <laughs> Custom radio jingles in English. No. 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 I am in so much hate right now. <laughs> what the? What, 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 we in the butt. <laughs> and the butt. In the morning. <laughs> wow. Man. Okay, so I'm going to have to do some research on that. Oh, you think? I literally need like a three-second jingle. I need someone saying, like, like an old-timey radio woman voice saying, Senior moment. And I'll apply the ding to it, and then Steve can supply the... <laughs> and there we, there we go. I think Todd's right. I think we've already recorded it. <laughs> Three times now. No, we need the female voice doing it. Oh, get uh, that. Just do the... Do the... Uh, oh, the the, the, the thing. Pitch, pitch change. The pitch oh, change. Yeah. There you go. Change the pitch. No. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare style. <laughs> Just be all, where's my money, bitch? You'll fix, fix it in post, Barry. <laughs> also, don't we need music behind it, or do we just need the voices? Yes. Mm. Nah. The, 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 the music. Barbershop Quartet, you just need the voices. Yeah, the music is the friends we made See, along the way. <laughs> you're thinking Barbershop Quartet. I'm not. I'm thinking just, like, female voices doing the senior moment thing, and that's it. So, like, Andrew Sisters. Yeah. Okay. See, I, mm-hmm. I needed you to put a name to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Just the harmony. Again, a free senior moment. Well, okay. And, uh, so not... Andrew's sisters, you, we hire the Apple sisters. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So not Pointer sisters. A whole different not kettle of fish. Twisted okay. sister. That I could get behind. Sisters of Mercy. I think we can afford. Twisted We might sister. be able to afford the Apple sisters. Well, let's just face it. Twisted sister is now a senior moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ooh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And D. Snyder is just We're a... not going <laughs> to take it. No. We're not going to take it. What, Grandpa? You're Metamucil? What? <laughs> That's right. Shut up. You little shit. Get off. Give me my cane. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 708. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K, you little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Geriatric Vlarg. Well, Professor Big. I don't. I don't even know what that I, was. I, would have, I would have loved if you had just forgotten. I would have loved if you if you used consonants. <laughs> Who am I again? I'm sorry, listeners. That was real pleasant to listen to, wasn't it? The teeth for a loud You say that like this show is ever pleasant to listen <laughs> to. Right, that's like senior barbarians. Stay a while and listen. Stay a while. Stay forever. <laughs> Hello, Shock Monkeys listeners, Kofi members. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Good to have you back, right? Todd. Although, great job last week. Oh, uh, shucks. Uh, I just want to throw out there, uh, Barry, I also read 
uh, starter villain by John Scalzi last week. Okay. And absolutely delightful. Yeah. Uh, Burned right through it in a day for me. How about you? Oh, well... I, I, I read it on lunch breaks. That's what time I have. Okay. So it took mm-hmm. me a few. But it uh, less than a week. Great time just picking at it here and there. And yes, what I love about Scalzi, all of his books, especially his later ones, is he creates a wonderful world with wonderful rules and then puts a little story in there and makes you want makes you want him to play more in that world. Yeah. Uh, it was the same for Kaiju. It was the same for Red Shirts. It's the same for this. Uh, I just really enjoy when he just he's just a fantastic world builder and his protagonists always have the right kind of snark, right kind of uh, cleverness. Uh, It just really just puts you right in the center of everything. He reminds me of Millar and his one shots. Okay, yes. You know, uh, for I'm talking about a comic book uh, artist, uh, Mark Millar, who also what else did he do? He's a writer, Uh, too. Yeah, um, (laughs) mostly a writer. Mainly a writer. I think. In fact, he's not an artist at all. He's I think, really right. I think he just yeah, right. Anyway, how dare you? You ever read? You ever read his book Super Gods? Fuck, that's the one I was talking about. Yes, that was good. That was fantastic. If you want to read a book about the philosophy of comics, Super Gods is what you want to read. Or MBH. Isn't that Morrison? It is Morrison. It is absolutely Morrison, not Mel- Millar. Mark Millar can go fuck himself. Morrison is who I'm talking about. <laughs> and not well, only that, did Millar write MBH? I was going to say, I thought it was Grant Morrison. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Super was... Uh, that's another good one. Yeah. I think that was... Uh, MPH was Millar. Well, oh, it's Super God was... Was Morrison? Grant Morrison, Grant yeah. Morrison. Oh, shit. So, yes, yeah, Super Gods, Grant Morrison, find it, read it, it's great. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> the great writers doing one-shots, like Red Shirts, like Kaiser Preservation Society, <laughs> like... The, the cat one. So it's totally not like Super God. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not at all. But I just had to throw it out yeah. there. Yeah. For some reason, Mark Millar sparked that up for no reason at all. <laughs> no reason. God. Had nothing to do with Jesus. anything. Oh, does this, my gosh. Claire, does this qualify as our senior moment? This is your senior moment. Senior yeah. moment? yeah. This is yeah. just my brain breaking. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were talking about, okay, what's it called? The vil- Super Gods? No, the Starter Villain. Starter Villain. <laughs> So, um, so I was walking through Barnes and Nobles a couple days ago, and there is another book called "Assistant to the Villain" by Hannah Nicole Marat. <laughs> For you kids out there, Barnes and Noble is a place where you used to go to buy books. I still go there to buy books. That's right. It's a brick and mortar place that Still you actually there, walk into Jeffrey. and can just lose yourself Barely. for hours summing through stuff. In the Kids, moment, physical anyway. books are, are constructs made of paper that you buy and hold in your hand. Oh, how condescending. Anyway, so I saw both. I saw, I, I saw, God, the book that you guys have been talking about. Start a villain. Start a villain. Thank you. <laughs> not Jesus. the best title. I'll agree. It yeah, is not. not the best <laughs> title at all. And then this one, and I was like, which one were they? T- oh, the Scalzi. Okay, so that's that's starter villain. But this one, uh, the the blurb on it is it, it it's uh, apparently this this woman makes uh, TikTok videos about the assistant being the assistant to the villain. Oh, okay, and she has turned that into into this book. And the blurb is once upon a time crossed with the office. So yeah, it's office politics in a in a villain's lair. I can get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can see that being a really good TikTok channel too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, when you guys were talking about that, I was like, wait a minute, that's sparking a memory I have of another book. All anyway. right. Before we get into what we did this week, uh 
I, I need you to clarify. These gentlemen brought up something to my attention that I had not, not even an edge of awareness on. Something having to do with Fireball, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now, wait. There's no whiskey in the small bottles of Fireball? This is was that brought to our right? attention yeah. by someone on, on Discord. who I don't know who Atomic? posted it. Atomic? Thank you, Kofi Gumby or I don't know who Atomic Micro? Atomic Micro. One of you guys. Yes. Scoop, scoop. Who are concerned for our health. <laughs> well, I don't know I, so I much. I don't know. I know that's a stretch. Yeah. But <laughs> as well, yeah, you should be. Mm, I think it's just to make fun of us. I guess there's no <laughs> actual whiskey in Fireball whiskey. No. Yes. Technically, uh, it doesn't call itself Fireball whiskey, does it? It's just not fireball. the little bottles. It doesn't. <laughs> so wait. Okay. So so I need a clarification. Now. All right. What what is happening? From NPR, consumers are suing Sazerac Company Incorporated, the makers of Fireball whiskey, for fraud and misrepresentation, as the mini bottles of the alcoholic beverage don't actually contain whiskey. The smaller bottles, named Fireball Cinnamon, not Fireball Cinnamon whiskey, like the big bottles are made from a blend of malt beverage and wine, while the whiskey-based products are called Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. So uh, the 99-cent bottles sold in 170,000 stores, including gas stations and grocery stores, <laughs> prompting con some, some consumers to wonder what products they presumed to contain liqueur. I were told doing you it there. tasted funny. I told you it tasted like candy, didn't taste at all like whiskey. Yeah. I was right. The I should suit. I, I I remember that little bottle. The first time I had it, I was like, action? "This does not taste like the." Uh, you got no fireball class. at yeah. the at the bar. It it, well, you it, get does, no action, it so doesn't. I was thinking the same thing, but yeah, Microscope sent us that story. Thank you, Microscope. Thank you, Microscope, for showing it the fraud that it is. I, I just love that fireball fraud, malt beverage. Remember back in the day with wine coolers? Oh yes, yeah. And, and now <laughs> those lately, I I noticed. That term is gone. It's like oh, malt yeah. can beverage. You, can you find wine coolers anywhere? Does think, Bartles and James exist? I think you can. Uh, Seagram's. Quick, to the internet. Seagram's. Golden wine, wine cooler. It's oh wet God. and it's dry. Yeah. My, 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 my. I thought we were going to do a, I thought we were going to do a round. No. Uh -huh. I just remember whenever uh, I'd get together with my friends in college and say, hey, there's some girls coming over. We better get some wine coolers. And, uh, of course, they would devour the wine coolers while yeah. we had all their drinks. But uh, Or Zima. Zima was a big Zima. one back then, too. And Zima. Zima. So, the girls would drink Zima. So once upon a time. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, here, we oh here we go. When I was working at the famous uh, murder mystery dinner theater, uh, the restaurant had this is so this is the mid 90s. The restaurant had just gotten an entire case of Zima. Oh, Jesus. And our boss, or not our boss, but the guy that ran the restaurant who is from Switzerland, <laughs> he came out during our pre-show meeting as he goes, we just got a case of Zima. Can you, can you push the Zima? Push we're, the Zima! <laughs> and, we're like, and we're like, what the hell is Zima? And, cause it was Carson's red. bright red. It you don't push the Zima, a, kid. It is such a fucking cliche to 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 go into performance at some place and they're just like push the fish. You know, <laughs> talk about the veal. Yeah. Push the Zima. It is so fucking cliche. So, so my character had had a line, had an exit line. No. That was uh, well. You just think about that, and I'm going to go to the bar and have a drink. So this particular night, it was like, well, you just think about now I'm going to the bar to have a Zima Colada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that sounds horrific. And, and the fucking bartenders are probably like, that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to the bar and have an old-fashioned, well, and, and of course, the performers I left on stage apparently found things very interesting in the fern. And... <laughs> oh, God. You're right. Barry, I can't wrap my head around a Zima colada. No. <laughs> At all. Mm-mm. I can, and it's gross. Shouldn't exist. <laughs> I don't even know what a malt <laughs> beverage is. Uh, I yeah. know what malt liquor is. Yeah, right. it's literally that. They just they make the malt liqueur and then they flavor it. It's almost like grain alcohol, basically. It's, it's colorless, flavorless when it's done, and then they just add a bunch of flavorings to it. Yeah. It's like old English for 800 or It's because it's easier, it it's easier to make a malt liquor yeah. than to make like a... It's liquor. Like grain alcohol. But it's Bartles and James can do it in a lot still less time. Exists, Does it? And they still use white wine in their wine coolers. Well, wow. that's, that's good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's called heritage, Biggs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it like, was either um, wine coolers or Boone's Farm. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, they, all the girls they, like the Boone's Farm. They've Boone's been doing this forever. Was the first thing I ever got a little buzzed on. Of course. Wow. Of course. It <laughs> is. While wow. at work at the gas station. <laughs> A few years ago, explains you used so to be much. able to get those canned cocktails, and back then it was like, still like it. Those. Well, but it's different it's, now. It's better now. It's better now because oh, oh don't give me that face, Barry. It still sucks, but right. it's better now yeah, because I remember Four Locos comes in a can too. I remember the very <laughs> first, very first time I saw the Jack and Cola cans. Okay. And you flip the can around, and it says malted beverage contains no whiskey. Mm. Now they're putting actual whiskey in it with the cola, but yeah, like for the long Jack time, it's not was... a name of a, of a of a whiskey. It's just it just says Jack. It could be anything. Well, but it, they licensed the Jack Daniels label, but they weren't putting actual Jack Daniels whiskey in it. We need it. a Geek Shock malt beverage. Do we? You go. No, you don't. Yeah, we it, totally. Do. What oh, yeah. would the flavor be? It would taste Gross. a lot like Steven Seagal's lightning. No. No. Nope. 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 No. No. It has to be cinnamon based. No. No. No, no it doesn't. No. What? <sighs> what? I lodged a protest. A little cinnamon. Actually, no. It's it's just raw alcohol. <laughs> it is rubbing alcohol. And, and, and then you get flavor packets. You can, <laughs> yeah. you can shake in there and stir. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to have a little vlog with my Commander K. <laughs> there you go. Oh, like a little Stephen Biggs yeah. with a little Torco in there, you know? There you go. And each one, each one of us will have different flavor packets right. that you can add to the base malt liquor, <laughs> which is kind of like neutral spirit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I tell you what. The it Professor is. Biggs is, makes it mm, salty. And then we can is. have special oh, ones for like Christmas. That tastes like mistletoe. Yeah. What? What? Excuse me? And, and, and uh, <laughs> so poison. Thank you. Poison. Yeah. 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 Have that with the poinsettia flavor, too. <laughs> we can have pumpkin spice geek shock. Hey, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh-huh. That'll open up the, the white is, girl. Oh, flavor. and then uh, uh, <laughs> convention season, we can have one that tastes like nerd funk. No. <laughs> Taste <laughs> like Nerf Funk. <laughs> Just go to Gen Con, lick the air, and you know, that. 
<laughs> Lower the face you make. That, oh. And that Barry will be the flavor name. Lick, Lick the, the air. air. <laughs> that sounds like a book. Everything. That sounds like a book. Oh, the faces you'll make. <laughs> that's oh, that'll actually be the tagline on the Geek Shock uh, malt, malt liquor. Yeah. Oh, yes. For Thanksgiving, gourd flavor. That's going to be great. Not malt liquor. Malt beverage. Malt beverage. I don't know what the difference is, but I bet I can get malt, away with a lot malt, more shit with malt beverage. Malt liquor is sold by Lando. That's right. Colt 45 <laughs> yeah. malt liquor. Malt that beverage is sold by Commander malt K. Rando. <laughs> I still remember those ads. And we need to get it made in the cheapest factory in China. I, I have to admit, uh. there, there's something there where you have this <laughs> this base malt liquor, and then you have just... Flavorings. Flavorings and basically pixie stick straws yeah. that you just... Yeah. yeah. Or, or the mixing stick is the flavoring. So as you mix it, it dissolves into... No, the... you use a candy cigarette to mix it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take cigarette out here. to the side of every can. <laughs> <laughs> like WD-40. Pack a Roundup yeah. chalky yeah. cigarettes. It's the new Lickamades, dude. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Hilarious. I love everything about this, and this is why I should never have expendable income. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is what I'll do. So aside from making horrible idea choices, what geeky things did you do this week, guys? Uh, Vlark, what about you? I really didn't have a lot of time this week. I only really did one geeky thing that's new, and I started Starfield. Yes, Whoa. you can play it on the Xbox One. Aha, yes. that's through the cloud, I Through assume. the cloud. I mean, I got to wait 10 minutes because, oh, sorry, everyone's playing this damn game now. It's really busy. Fuck, so I got to sit there wait for 10 minutes, which aggravates me to no end, but it's fine because it's free through Xbox Game Pass. And yes, it plays perfectly. Uh, do I have the... Um, the the graphics that the Xbox Series S or X has? No. But who gives a shit? It's Starfield. I do. It's everything is the same. Other than maybe you don't get every bit of gore in 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 for in super high definition, but it's not really a gory game. No, it's really not. No. 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 But it's fine. It plays just fine. It's not I I, I don't feel like I'm I love his I'm ringing endorsement. Anything. It's just fine. It's fine. It's just fine. Now, what I mean to say, and I'm saying it in the worst way possible, is that you're not going to miss that unless you're like Jeff, you know, unless you're a real videophile (laughs) and he's like, nah, it's not as clear as it could be. Um, But that's not me. Worst promo ever. But I like the game so far. I'm only like 10 hours into it. Um, I can see where it could get addictive. It's clearly Fallout in space. Um, I I, kind of wish I didn't start it. Because this is going to be the next obsession. I, oh, you're I, done. I, I'm done. I'm sorry. I, I see it now. You've got nothing else in your life now. But I've resisted the urge to play it at all hours. So I'm I'm good for now. It's going to be a slow burn for me. I'm going to enjoy it a little bit here and there. So That's really the only deeply geeky thing I did this week other than uh, uh, to play a little Minecraft. Um not on our server, on the one for the Deb's nephews. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm building them stuff to play with. And then I'm going to, it's like a test run, and then I'm going to bring it over to, the, to ah, our server. Yeah. Yeah. Rebuilding Minecart Marksman Madness, and that's fun. 
Uh, before I turn it over to Jeff, uh, I want to bring up a game that I started playing before Starfield. And it's really kind of just set up in my mind over time. I enjoyed it at the time, of course, doing Shiny took over. And that's a game, it's a fishing game called Dredge. Right, right, the fishing game. What? It, what, okay. I don't remember this one. You're, it's it's a independent, uh, it's not available on Xbox Game Pass as of not yet. Uh, I got it through Gamefly. It is a Lovecraft-themed fishing game. What, what the <laughs> fuck? You are a boat captain that has run ashore in this. You enter a strange mist, and you run ashore in this strange little little harbor town. Uh, but they give you a boat that uh, so you can go out and make your way in their world. And uh, all the fishing is just these little mini games. But what really, really makes it great is that it it's not apparent that it's a Lovecraftian game just by looking at it in general. It seems a little off. And then nighttime happens. You fish throughout the day. Everything that you do takes time. Uh, you can dredge up equipment to make your boat better or buy a bigger boat or whatever. Uh, but at night, uh, the ill effects of the world around you start to affect you and you start to panic and go into madness and have hallucinations that can actually hurt and destroy your boat. So you have to time what you're doing to do the economy of fishing and then get home in time before the bad shit happens, which can be all sorts of crazy big friggin underwater monsters that come out of nowhere this sounds delightful or a strange boat that looks strangely like yours but comes at you very quickly or rocks that just appear out of nowhere and then disappear again that you could actually run into but if you go to bed on time everything's fine <laughs> and there's a lot of little story bits throughout the game that uh, open up to you uh, as you venture out into the islands and you start to gain dark magical spells you start to uh, make sacrifices to strange altars it starts as one game and quickly becomes another and the basic fishing aspect of the whole economy of find fish sell fish get better stuff is a fine entertaining thing on its own however <laughs> when you add monstrous tentacle things under your boat that appear as the as dusk hits and as dawn hits oh it is joyful that sounds delightful that's like what if, oh, let's make a fishing game okay wait what if we set it in in's mouth okay and that's again perfect and you could i bet you could do other other games like that. You know. Oh, no doubt about it. And again, it's not a fishing simulation. When you're fishing, you're doing little little mini games to catch a fish. And if you, the better you are at the game, uh, the quicker and better the fish you catch. And you sell those off. Oh, and you can also find mutated, horrible versions of those fish as well, <laughs> which uh, might get, make a better profit if you sell it to the right person who's absolutely the wrong person. It's a delight. Farming in Dunwich. Yeah. <laughs> a sandwich shop in Dunwich. It's and called Dredge and highly recommended. A cookie maker in Dunwich. Expedition. You go on an expedition to Antarctica. See, that's, that's, that sounds familiar to me. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Jeff, what'd you do this week? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I didn't get to do a lot because I've been working a lot. We're short staffed at work, but I did get to start Loki. And uh, 
I've gotten so spoiled with Disney Plus dropping like the first two episodes of a show that I'm I went I loaded it up thinking oh I'm going to see you know first couple episodes see where the season is going and it was only the first episode so it's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do just based on that little tiny bite because that whole first episode is them wrapping up to an extent the events of the very 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 end of the season finale from season one so Mm -hmm. uh no spoilers obviously but uh yeah uh i'm fascinated to see where they're gonna go with this season just based on what they've set up so far um also i have to stop watching lower decks when it drops at midnight because then there's nobody to go oh my god did you see this (laughs) to because everybody's asleep so (laughs) but uh yeah i I could see darren just like rolling over in bed and being like jeff shut the fuck up oh he get out of my room he sleeps so hard (laughs) i there there could be a fucking earthquake (laughs) and he would never come out of his room so in that case you just see jeff shaking darren hey 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 Hey, what? Hey, <laughs> and he just sleeps right through it. But uh, yeah, that last episode <laughs> of Lower Decks was goddamn brilliant. Steve, what'd you do? Uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> oh, you have a list there, and you're umming and erring. <laughs> that, that's nice, Kirsten. What'd you do? <laughs> well. Uh, got Steve. I didn't know this, but Steve, uh, we had a we had a clockwork Steve because he had never seen in the mouths of madness. Really? So uh, we got uh, we got Steve to watch that. Yep, it's been on the radar since it ever came out. I just don't have no idea. Is that the one with Sam Neill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's and I think the trippy. reason why I never saw it is I'm always getting it confused with the one with Scott Bakula. What's the one with Scott Bakula? I don't know. Oh, that, you're it's, thinking of Quantum Leap. No, no. It's you're another, thinking of Enterprise. No. It's another supernatural <laughs> thing. It's the one based on Clive Barker's short yeah, story. Yeah, I'm just that I, wasn't I'm liking very out on good. it right now. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of Charles in Charge. No. No, that's Scott Bayo. That's Scott Bayo. <laughs> so, yeah. So and I, I know, you know. Joni loves Chachi. You were close. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I finally yeah. saw it in the mouth of madness. It's really good. And it contains Hayden Christensen's greatest screen role ever. <laughs> I can I can get behind that. He's the paper boy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's really good. Uh, I, I heartily recommend it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, the parallels with both Lovecraft and Stephen King are really yeah, fun. That's a nice thing about it. Um, and... Yeah, you will feel like you're going nuts by the end of it. So it's really good. I, I if you if you've never seen it, I do recommend it a lot. God damn it! <laughs> Hang on, hold on, Kirsten. What, Kirsten, what else? What else and, did you do? And we decided oh, we, that yeah. uh, we would do the Torgo Machete Order of Insidious. Oh, did you now? <laughs> yes. Yes, we've seen them all except Red uh, Door. Red Door. And we've seen them in the order you suggest. Can you remind our listeners what the insidious machete order is? Well, can you remind me? What Todd, Todd um, advises you to see Insidious 3, Insidious Last Key, Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, and then Insidious Red Door. 
in that order. Now, I have to say, I kind of agree with that because one of the things I noticed watching it is that um, Insidious, at least up until Red Door, and I'm not expecting this to be any different after that, is the best crafted of the movies. Uh, Insidious 3 and, um, well, not not too so much, but Last Key, they, they, they kind of... They kind of edged into the action movie kind of tropic thing. Whereas Insidious 1 really nailed just the spooky, creepy. I was watching it for the second time with yeah, Steve. That, and that thing was, we, and we were here in, in my house. And that thing was just giving me chills all <laughs> over the fucking place that the other movies didn't. The other movies are good. I'm not dissing them. But in, in terms of Insidious, if you watch Insidious first and then you watch the others, I think you would be in for a bigger letdown than if you watch it in your order. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is um, Lee Wanell, the writer. The writer slash actor. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, let, me just say, let me just say, as an actor, he's a pretty good writer. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about as a writer? Uh, as a writer, is good. Okay. Um, is the guy that invented Saw. Oh, right, right, The right, original. Right. The yeah. good one. Yeah. The, the only good one. Yeah. And... Well... And... Yeah. And, and his, <laughs> his character is... He allows himself, because I think he directed one of them, either three or the last key. I think the last key. Whoo! Yeah. Man, he just lets himself go off the deep end and... And then when Insidious rolls around, it's like, yeah, this is a guy who needs a director going, <clears throat> try that again. Uh, this time, actually play a human being. <laughs> <laughs> there is something play to be said. as if you were a real person. Yeah. There is something to be said when you get too much control in a movie. Well, they, you Writing, know, directing, his, et cetera. The characters of Specs and Tucker are fabulous. They are wonderful, and I think he was he was trying to lean heavily into that, and it 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 doesn't play like it does in the first one. It's amusing, and frankly, while I'm watching this, I was like, you know, did I wanted to text you, Todd, because I'm like, did we ever talk? Did we ever red light, green light these three characters? This is including Elise the psychic, as like a like a ghost hunters find real ghosts. TV series because I would watch this. I love these characters so much. And then I found out there was one. So <laughs> it was it was like ten years ago. It was one season. Uh, but I um, I I do enjoy them, and I thought I thought it was good. But yeah, he leaned into it way too Oof. much. Yeah, to but the point it, of sometimes it just being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it was Lord of Illusions you were thinking of. That's Scott yes, Bakula. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Not a great film. Yeah. yeah the yeah. Uh, the Insidious Order, uh, if you watch in the original one, the focus is on the family. If you change, if you do the Machete Order, uh, the focus is on the lease. Yeah. Yes. And yes. That's kind of what they did with the, uh, what, three and four was to tell her story yeah but if you do it in this order of three four one two five it gives you her chronological arc right and it it's 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 cool because they they actually develop her and give her some story there i mean all that shit in last key holy 
<laughs> Holy yeah. shit balls. That, yeah. that was some that was some major revelatory stuff, and it was just like, bah, ah, ah, yeah, yeah. And um, one L, God, is it one L? Yeah. I, was, I started looking up their other credits, and I, isn't one L the guy that directed uh, Invisible Man? I think he wrote it. I don't know if he directed it. Okay, so then the other director is the director that James Wan. No, no, no. Um, oh, uh... there's the besides one L, the guy that directed either. Yeah, Insidious Three or Last Key directed Invisible Man, and I was like, "Oh well, this is this is you know Invisible Man is great. These are kind of okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but so we we went and we went through all of those except Red Door. We still have to do Red Door, so that was fun. Um, speaking of horror, that kind of edged into action. <laughs> we also went and saw Exorcist. Belieber. So, Talk to me about Exorcist Belieber. Ah, well. Uh, 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 it tells yeah. me everything. That's what I yeah, heard. Yeah, no, it's, um, there are, as Steve put it, tonally, it's all over the place. Is it? One of the things about Exorcist is it's so atmospheric and it hits its tones so incredibly well. And um, and it maintains it throughout. You know, everyone talks about the pea soup and you know all of the the all the horrible shit you see and uh, with Linda Blair's makeup and all that stuff. And they totally miss the fact that this is really it's really well done as this is actually happening, mm-hmm. right? You're, I think, Exorcist. One of the brilliant things about it that a lot of people don't talk about because they don't think about it is it does a great job of just saying, this is our world, and this 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 happened. It's very, you don't have to suspend disbelief. This isn't another world, and this isn't, a, oh, you know, you get, you, you're kind of like, wow, this could have happened, and th- this is, you know, and, and other Exorcist movies, but especially this one, Eh, you kind of lose that. Yeah. What what was great about the original Exorcist was Friedkin really leaned into that kind of mid-70s drama where it almost seems like it's documentary-style filmmaking. Yeah. And this one, well, here's what I wrote on Facebook. Oh, okay. A bit all over the place, lacking in focus, either needed one more or one less rewrite, characters and plot points that exist only to check off boxes, a denouement point that's repercussions aren't clearly spelled out and or almost zero on-screen ramifications. Yeah, there's some pretty nice and creepy moments, but it just doesn't really hang together as a cohesive whole. It it hits a lot of imagery from Exorcist. Yeah. And, uh, um... But at the same, even like Ellen Burstyn's character, I was so looking forward to that. And her character, the way she was written, really didn't come across like an older form of the character from the '70s movie. So the the way she talked and some you know some of the lines are typical, not going to take any shit, old person in the 21st century movie type of thing. So it was just. It was disappointing in that. It did hit some moments. There were some images that were really striking and were really cool. But overall, um, it it just, it was all over the place. Yeah. I think also Exorcist 
he, they really leaned on the slow burn because it really kind of starts kind of normal and then things kind of get weird. And this one, they tried that. I'm not spoiling anything because you guys have seen the trailer, but the two girls disappear and then they're found. And that took way too long. Yeah, that took way too long. I, Steve and I were talking about it. He was like, they they should have been in the police station. Talking about, I think they should have opened like in the hospital, you know, treating the girls, and and just going from there. And they took way too long to get rolling in that. And it's amazing how much that sounds like a a pitch meeting, uh, short from YouTube. It's mm-hmm. like. It's like, why did you spend so much time on this? Because I need the movie to happen. Yeah, Fair yeah, enough. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that is yeah. one of the things in script writing that I absolutely hate. Because that was one of the things that uh, one of my uh, professors was always harping about. It's like Jeff talks about drink, uh, film do- school. Take a yeah, drink. Yeah, take a drink. It's like if you can eliminate all of that stuff and do it in a quick scene. Yeah. Especially in a suspense type situation, it adds to the suspense. Yeah. yeah. Instead of going, now they're missing. Right. Blah 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 blah. Oh, we found them. Mm-hmm. Like it's like just, but but yeah. you've made the perfect point. Yeah. If you'd cut to them in the hospital, yeah. As at the, the beginning, that would have really ramped up the tension. Movie Bob said it in his review. He was like, the first part of the movie is is another type of movie and is another movie of its own. And yeah. it is. It is. It's it's the story. Of, two girls who vanish in the woods and you know we gotta find them and it is it's it's a whole other movie that is a whole other movie you got your blair witch and my exorcist (laughs) kind of sort of yeah yeah it's very much more police procedural you know what happened to you know where are the missing girls kind of movie yeah 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 oh so it starts off like that yeah yeah and then goes into oh wow yeah no dude dude it's, yeah, yeah, they, they, and they also That's take really time ham-fisted. to establish the girls. Oh. So, so I mean, it just and it's two girls. So basically, you got two Reagans, like from the first movie. Yeah. So imagine taking The Exorcist and doubling the length of the beginning of the movie, leading up to <sighs> you know all and, the weird shit starting to happen. Fuck that. And before that even gets started, there's a whole there's a whole story of oh, yeah, the yeah. family doing oh uh, the the husband and wife of one of the girls, the mother of one of the girls in Haiti doing uh documentary work, something like that. Something like that. And and the mother uh has, you know, finds she becomes part of this Haitian a Haitian protection ritual and finds it beautiful and all this type of stuff. And then there's an earthquake. And, and, and um, yeah. Okay. Reagan <laughs> and Chris McNeil, right? The dad's not in the picture. So imagine if exorcist had started with whatever happened between Reagan's mom and her dad happening. Okay. Oh, okay. Whether it's divorce or the dad died or whatever the hell it was. And you spend 10 or 15 spend minutes. Or 10 or 15 minutes doing that. And it, it was so funny because it's I think I think one of the problems here is is too many modern uh writing professors be they be it prose or or screenplays or whatever have so gotten into show don't tell I was just going to say you get this shit now where it's like 
You don't need to show this. Yeah. You can totally tell this in one fucking line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Because, yes, there is a certain time and place where show don't tell sure. works. Right. But if you're doing exposition, sometimes, just, like you said, a single line. The whole, the whole You point save of, yourself a half hour the whole with point one of, line. The show yeah. don't tell is you tell a story. Especially otherwise, if otherwise, all you do is have a series of characters talking about stuff. But if you go the other way and you show every goddamn detail, and that's yeah, <sighs> and it's and that ultimately ends up a, a hair of it, like a, an aspect of it is part of the actual story. Yeah. The other and, 10, and 15 is, minutes. I will say this. I will say this. It is a bit of a shocking reveal. They do. They there is something in there. And that was one of the more compelling things about the movie. Yeah. But they still could have set that moment up just talking about it. I think yeah. show don't tell works only if it's a concept that the average human cannot identify with. If you're trying to set up something that it's, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's a little world building. Sure. But if it's common concepts that people have seen, especially in cinema for a hundred years, <laughs> yeah. a single line, a single line to do it, because we'll they, do it. They, as soon as you say the line, it the already audience, pops into your head. The audience already knows what yeah. you're fucking talking about. Yeah, it's like an so. exorcism. Oh, I know exactly what that is. And so. Even though I've never. Yeah, and the other thing about um, some of these stories is, I almost wish some of these writers and directors had the balls to do. Um, third-person limited point of view as opposed to third-person omniscient where you just see everything. Like the, like the only scenes that happen are the scenes in which this one character is, a, is in the scene. So like in Exorcist Believer, if we only saw the story from the father's point of view, how much weirder, how much right. stranger would that story be? Right. And yeah. kind of the same thing with Insidious. If we only saw that story from the mother's point of view how much weirder would that be although i'm going to i actually thought about this watching insidious i have to say i kind of liked the shift mm -hmm. because the first part of the movie is you're getting your your trademark mother's love for the child and oh my baby and then all of a sudden all of a sudden, halfway, two-thirds of the way through, uh, this is the dad's problem. <laughs> and that yeah. was, I remember the first time I watched that being like, because that twisted my head a bit. Because I was waiting for this whole thing to, you know, be about Rose Byrne and she'll, you know, whatever. And it was, so that was, that was kind of cool. So yeah. I can sort of, but the, the other thing is, Exorcist, there was too much head jumping. They were <laughs> yeah. all they they did every they did the girls' points of view. They did the parents, the father of the one kid, the mother and the daughter of the other kid. They threw in a priest and, <laughs> and a his minister. point of view for that. <laughs> and it was just like you know, I was expecting more from the cop who actually showed. So it it, it jumped. It kind of lacked a focus, and I think the idea there were there were cool ideas in there. You know, especially, especially Chris McNeil, which I get a feeling, I just get a little feeling that they originally wanted it to be Reagan. And Linda Blair was like, I don't want to do a movie. I, I don't, don't want to do this I don't want to do another fucking Exorcist yeah. movie. So so they went with Ellen Bernstein, <laughs> which, which... Two is so good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, dude? 
watching this, I even appreciate Exorcist Three more. Whoa, that is well, a, you know what? Three that, is good. Three, that yeah. is, a, Three that, is that is an Exorcist sequel that worked, but it's uh, no repossessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, we saw that. Um, going to the movie theaters before uh, we talk about anything else, we did. Uh, it was really funny. Steve and I went to see Insidious, and we ordered. We we did our thing where one of us got the tickets, the other gets the food. This time around, it was uh, my turn to get the food. And as of course I've told in previous shows, we've gotten Steve into bu- buying the large popcorn. He does it now. Uh, so we go up and we order two number one combos, and he's like, "Any butter?" And Steve's like, "No, no, no, not on one." And I'm what like, is the number one combo? It is a large popcorn and a large soda. And the uh, the large popcorn. Um, just number one saves so much more time yeah, than saying that. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I figured it was well, like a was, third thing. It was, like, combo, to me, is a third thing. Nothing. It is no third thing. Guys, the hilarious thing, you're probably right, because the guy actually turned and looked at the menu board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So no, no, he's got the picture on his yeah. his screen. He doesn't have to look at the board. He's like, well, uh, and oh, number one did. combo, and yet, and yet he, he did. did. So <laughs> so he's like any butter, and Steve's like no, and Steve goes on about butter, and he's like, you know, I agree with you. And then he they start talking about how they like their popcorn dry, and I was just like, well, not me. And he's like, well, I don't. It just Steve seemed, likes going in dry. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they, you know, uh, I don't know. It just seems I forget friction. the term he. Use, but he's like, it just doesn't seem. Nice. I could just see Kirsten stamping his foot. Going, yeah. We're gonna. So I was like, butter it up. I want you to butt. And boy, did he butter it up. He cool. actually, he actually got the bucket and put some butter in first. Oh, before he put in the popcorn. I like this guy. Then he did like four layers. Wow. Popcorn butter. Popcorn butter. Popcorn butter. Did he eat and, through the bottom of the? Bucket? Well, actually, Barry, (laughs) my bucket was losing its structural integrity before we even sat down. (laughs) (laughs) It was popcorn stew. Yeah. The the table, the table actually had smears of butter on it. This is at Galaxy. I didn't finish it. I I good for you. But I your heart is that even real butter? No, it's not. What what kind of question is that? Like anybody puts real butter on popcorn in movie theaters anymore? I don't know. The uh, South Coast uh, South Coast Regency used to have used real to. butter. Yeah, I well. mean, I mean, used to as as of two months ago. Uh huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you would know, Mister Dry. Yeah, I saw it. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm tempted because oh, real butter. No, yeah. I'm with Steve. Uh, dry popcorn because I don't like all that greasy butter. No, well, I can't uh, even it's, have it's butter. Butter anymore, flavored but oil, dude. It's yeah. not. Ugh. Well, see, so, yeah, ten forty weight is not on my list of fun <laughs> things either. Oh. So that was funny because I'm just like holding this thing and I'm like, wow, this is this is getting ready to fall apart. <laughs> I bet it was heavy. Well, well, you missed the other thing about the uh, about the large popcorns. My ongoing battle. <laughs> with- Steve executed. Steve did a clinic on how timing is everything. <laughs> so, depending on who your counterperson is. They will, at the Galaxy Theater, they will nicely overfill yes. the, the large the it, large popcorn and then put if, the if lid on If she's the it. cute girl with glasses, 
who some maybe has daddy issues. I don't know. I hope she listens to this show. <laughs> she, she stuffs it. She Ladies, stuffs it. Ladies, are you cute? Do you have glasses and work in a movie the theater? Dome. They they put oh. that plastic dome over yeah, it. Yeah. Yes. The way you fill an icy all the way up yeah. to the top. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. she, she. Yeah. The issue becomes when you try to take that. Yeah, they try to dome take the lid off. off. And the first time I did it, it just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> little popcorn oh, explosion. God. Yeah, it explodes, and yet somehow it does not affect the level of the popcorn. Uh, that, right? true, that, that, that happened true. to yes, me. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I saw them put this on. They put the lid on yeah. with no effort. Why am I having difficulty uh, taking a plastic <laughs> lid off of a paper bucket? So. And it literally went everywhere. And, but yet. And then, yes. You got so, half a bucket on the floor, and and, and, and there's still and the an bucket overfilled. Is, the bucket. bucket is still overfull. So, so the technique that I have discovered is you have to stand and just very carefully down in inch, front, inch the yeah, right. and, and and it's pressed up against his body too. So yeah. he's like using all his physical resources <laughs> to just inch that lid off, and this time I got it off. He, Completely, completely with no popcorn exploding none and i was like ha i finally and as soon as i moved the table <laughs> the popcorn came out i, I nearly choked did, because it was picture perfect execution andy it's a good thing that happened because if the popcorn did fall apart you would have called a centibite so <laughs> yeah, that's right so yes yeah. we watched the last episode of ahsoka so, there's that. Very yeah. good. Good. All good. Right. As you should. And we watched Via. Via. Spirit of Evil. And that was interesting. I want to bring us back to popcorn for a oh, second. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Why in the age of of culinary marvels in the, in the movie theater are you still just having popcorn? Because it's popcorn. Well, because you're at the movies. You're at the movie. And there's, because you're psychologically you're, conditioned to get, get popcorn. A three course fucking meal at a movie theater. You've uh, never been to the Alamo Draft House then, have you? Well no. that's different. That's Dude. not a movie theater. No. Yes, it is. It's an experience. Yes. Okay. No, but I've yes. been to the freaking dine in AMCs that would charge you twenty bucks for a a steak that big. Oh no, you don't go to those. Uh, when I, the when, only when I, thing mm. you need at a movie theater is Coke and popcorn and maybe some candy. Yeah. That's correct. That is it. That's no, it. you know no, what I need? This is, I need a craft beer and chicken fingers. No, you don't. Oh. No, you don't. You, you need a, you, you need a soda and popcorn and maybe candy. Ass. I am absolutely This is why spoiled. you don't like going to the theater, because you have no idea how to do it properly. Yeah. Spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiled by Alamo Draft House, by whatever that other fancy place was in Austin. In Houston, they had something else, like the, the movie star or something, whatever. The, and they had food in there, but it didn't have the Alamo experience. Shut your mouth. It, did, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't feel like Alamo. It wasn't fun like that. It was just, okay, here's a movie, and here's some overpriced food. Get the fuck out. I took my dad once to Red Robin. And we just had a good Red Robin. Burger. How was the movie? You know, yeah, the movie. Yeah, was where great. are you going with this? <laughs> and my dad was like, "Well, it was an okay burger. The best burger I ever had was at a Hilton, where they blah 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 blah." And I'm like, "Dad, the fucking restaurant in the Hilton 
any restaurant that makes a burger, it, it the burger is going to be amazing oh, yeah. because that's the fucking restaurant kitchen making the burger. But if you're going to a a, a plate a burger joint, and it's the same thing here, is like if you're going to a movie theater, you get the popcorn and the soda. Sure, you can go to the snobby, stuck up college kid flagpole up the ass place and get your I like that place craft urine with you know <laughs> seasoned poo poo on a exactly. on a brioche what bun. What places are you going exactly. to? I don't know, but it sounds French. <laughs> I'm, I don't mind those either, but it's it's not going to the movies. At that point, you go to Alamo Draft House, you're going for a whole other different thing. You can just go to the movies and just get like a beer and fries. Not, no. I was going to say, not to mention your popcorn and soda. Such oh. <laughs> a purist. You can yes. go to Broadway and watch Les Mis proper, or you can go to Beef and Boards and have a steak. Okay, there you how, go. how about this? Uh, and ask him to sing something sad. The old drive-in <laughs> movie theaters where you could go to the snack bar, you can get anything you want. You can get a hot dog, oh, get the, chips. You mean the, the types of theaters I stopped going to because the picture and sound were fucking ridiculous? <laughs> And it's horrible. an experience. I love movies. I'm not going to go and sit and wait for them to start the movie at dusk plus, when you still can't see it. Plus, it and looks embarrassing the... when all these teenagers fucking in the backseat of their cars see the car behind him with that one old guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It was all by himself, eating his popcorn and drinking his soda. Quit fucking the monsters on the screen. Down in front. Yeah. More, more like, oh, dude, who taught you how to do that? Jesus. <laughs> how old are you? Oh, well, ne never mind. You got to learn. I want to go to the movies with Steve, and I want to order the fancy foo-foo bullshit just to watch him cringe. Which, it's funny because Galaxy actually has... Decent food. Decent. They have your chicken fingers. They have your 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 full bar that they'll yeah. make your cocktails. But at the same time, and yet you still. And then you wait forever, and yep, and, and the, the line like. the line builds it's up. Still not going to be because great. they've only got two people working it, and that one person has to go back and air fry the that, fingers. That I and, don't like. I don't like that at all. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it one of two ways. One is like Alamo Draft House, where they'll come along, right. You, you place your order, they'll deliver it, it's fun, and then they don't come around again during the movie unless you really flag them down, but really no one does that. And then the other way is the way over here at the uh, the Boulevard Mall, they got a bar out front. You just get a drink out there before you go into the movies because you don't want to be messing around during a movie with like like getting drinks and whatnot if it's not meant for that. Right. Galaxy, I can see it's like a popcorn soda place. I get that. <laughs> but if I have the option of ordering an, a, 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 like a cocktail and bringing it in with me, yeah, I but want the that. Boulevard or a galaxy. charcuterie board. It's a bull The Boulevard's a galaxy, too. You can... See, I said charcuterie board, and I got him. He took the glasses off, threw them on the table, and he's face palming. He's like, God damn these kids today and their charcuterie boards. He's red, I got charcuterie him. Charcuterie board at the fucking movies. Yeah, that that is the most pretentious. You're at the movies for one purpose, to watch the movie, have Coke and popcorn. And a good and Annie go pasta. Home. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> 
I want an old fashioned. Well, and I want a cute and an pasta and a nice buffalo mozzarella. Did I wait? Did I hear salad? Did I hear correctly that the that one of the adjectives there was a good antipasta? You're not going to get that at a fucking movie theater. <laughs> it depends on the movie theater. Yeah. There's a really oh, good man. movie theater called the IPIX Movie Theaters in Houston. In where- Houston. It's a bigger town. <laughs> Houston. Where you get the normal experience, but then you pay extra and you get the real. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pay fucking extra. Dude. I'm there to see one purpose. See a movie. Yes, dude. but wouldn't it be great to see that movie like, no. in, like a first class no. seat? Dude, I'm sure. The seat massages you what? and you got someone coming around saying, no. would, you, would you like a, a cocktail? The would recliner like- is Fine. I'm sure there are army guys who can tell you about the movie theater in Seoul, Korea, where you get a blowjob while you're watching the movie. J- j- 4D. <laughs> it's just like, okay, but that's over there. I don't, I don't care. Don't talk about what isn't here. You know, I was on board with Barry for a good portion of this. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, yes, I, I do like a upscale experience. I every like so more often, options. A little in luxury every so often. Sure. However, uh, if someone's coming by to interrupt the movie uh-huh. to take my oh, order, uh-huh. no, 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 no. I'm fucking out. No, no, they yep. don't do that. You you place your order before the movie yeah. happens, and otherwise you just write like during the movie. If you need something at Alamo, you just write it down. You put the little flag up, and the dude comes around, snatches it, maybe whispers if he's got a question. Rarely do they ever talk. It's too much. And then it's already goes, too much. <laughs> I don't mind much. those places. I don't mind those places. I'm but just not going to go there. No. I'll, <laughs> you don't have a choice. There's no I'll, Alamo in Vegas. I'll, I'll even go there. I don't mind that at all. But that is not going to the movies. That's going to the Alamo. Sure. Yeah. And and that's also another thing because Alamo tends to show movies that have already shown. They, they tend to show movies that already have an existing, a cult following of some sort, oh, yeah, a re-showing yeah. of a grand film, a, a Jaws spectacular, if you will. And so I don't mind that. In the same way, I don't mind going to dinner theater to watch Showboat because I'm only half watching Showboat anyway. <laughs> right. So fine, I can have a steak and watch Showboat. However, if it's a, you know, The Humans or a, a play that I have to really concentrate on, fuck you, take the steak away. I need to concentrate on this. That's yeah. great. I like that. The Alamo Draft House is the dinner theater of cinema. There you go. <laughs> That's not to say you can't concentrate on a good movie. <laughs> like, I would like to watch the next big Star Trek film that comes out with a nice steak and a potato because you're and a, a log of no, no. I'm seeing the next Star Trek over in Korea or wherever that was where they yeah, had the blowjobs blow that he was talking yeah. about. That's, yeah. The steak's extra. Yeah. <sighs> When Chris Pine comes on that screen, Todd wants to come on that screen. <laughs> We've yeah. taken this somewhere. I don't want to be. I'm not disagreeing with that statement. <laughs> I don't want to be. I was out of the conversation a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about before Barry I, went I, insane? I, ha- I, <laughs> I have a question to bring this all back around. Oh, shit. Uh, they are making this... Exorcist, the plan is into a trilogy. Mm. Are you interested in seeing the next part? No. <sighs> Not terribly. Mm. Not terribly. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, posted on my little Facebook rant there. He, go, he goes, fool and his money. Universal paid $400 million for the rights to the Exorcist. Meanwhile, every Exorcist sequel and prequel that came out after the first one has 
combined on under $150 million at the box office. Well, they talk about the Exorcist curse, about all these strange things that happened during right. the filming of uh, the original yeah, yeah, Exorcist. Yeah. But no, the true curse is all the films they made along the way. Well, right. the, yeah, and I mean, and it is true. This one really was just another haunting possession movie yeah. that had a lot of a lot of Exorcist references. So much f- so they edited the fourth movie twice into two different movies and they're both bad. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I yeah. I mean, I might watch it on streaming or something out of some morbid curiosity, but to be perfectly honest, the the whole thing that brought me into this were the references to the original movie. I was I was really hoping mm-hmm. to get that experience and the people making this movie or the suits we don't know yeah i mean nowadays you don't know who made the decisions in the fucking movie making right so you're saying you'll, you'll watch the next film but you really wouldn't be that into it you i'm not watch gonna it go out of to curiosity. the theater uh maybe out of curiosity would you go to a dinner theater <laughs> no would you have a nice uh no. like no. some low main no and uh no. matter of fact here's 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 one of the decisions. i would for casablanca yeah oh yeah Here's one of the decisions that went into going to see uh, this at the theater is, uh, do we want to pay for the <laughs> BFX or just the regular digital? Uh, uh, okay, he's editing that. He he calls it Defux. Defux. You want to go see the Defux screening or the or the reg- regular digital? And it's like, yeah, let's just do the regular digital. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I owe the Kofi members and the listeners a uh, clockwork Torgo. Yeah, you I, do. I was instructed to watch in Bruges. Oh, yes. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's, one, who, who suggested it and two, who voted for it. That film is a delight. Isn't yep. it, though? Oh, my word. A very British film about hitmen hiding out in Bruges that just becomes this beautiful little character piece with just enough hitman action to <laughs> and comedy frankly to yeah. to just just keep you wrapped the performances were spectacular the story a delight mm-hmm. and the choices the characters make and frankly the brutal ending for a few of them is just I was on board for it all, and at the end of it, I nearly stood up and clapped. It was a wonderful, wonderful film. Yeah. Good thing he didn't stand up. He would have upset his steak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who are these people that stand up and clap during a film? No one can hear you. It's a film. It doesn't matter. You're expressing your appreciation for the movie to everyone Expressing appreciation. You. you lost Barry right there. Oh, right. <laughs> I already Sorry. did that when I purchased my steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It is an expulsion of human exuberance in the moment. Yeah. Whoa. Martin McDonough is one of my all-time favorite playwrights and and actually even uh, screenwriters and directors. Uh, the last one that he did, which I can't remember the title of, but it's all set in Ireland uh, with um, uh, Colin Farrell and... Irish people? Yep. Yeah, the, ban- the banshees of uh, Masafrezas. Inish, Inish Mare. Inish Shish. Something. Yeah. The, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't get it. And I was like, it's well, it's bleak. It's a Martin McDonough bleak movie. People do crazy things when they're trying to, when they're stubborn and trying to make a point. And no, it doesn't make any, any rational sense. 
That's not the. That is the point. It doesn't make any rational sense. So because human beings aren't fucking rational. So Steve, you you're saying the movie wasn't very Aristotelian. Uh, hmm, let me think. Oh, uh, there no, was this is a fucking in-joke. No. No. <laughs> Wait, we're not going to do Aristotle shock? No. <laughs> but no, absolute delight. And yes, and when I was watching, I'm like, this feels like a play. This absolutely, I mean, obviously the playwright who... Did he direct it as well or just wrote it? He uh, did direct it. Okay. Oh, God, did he? Uh, in fact, afterwards, I looked to see if it actually was translated from a play, because with a few small tweaks in the action sequences, this could be presented, and I'm surprised that it didn't translate in some way. Like, afterwards, that he made a stage version. But delightful. It's, it's rare you find a subtle character piece in a basically a British mafia movie, but that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. And so highly recommended. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The next Clockwork Torgo is now being nominated. Currently, Terrifier is in the lead, barely. <laughs> yeah, but if it ties, you get to watch Human Centipede. Uh, if it ties, I get to choose. <laughs> <laughs> it's between that, I believe, and Super currently. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, the ye. Got, didn't get uh, finished. Oh, that was just it. it oh, but we have to move on uh, with the show now. Well, I was just going to say real quick: a 1967 Soviet era horror movie. Yep. All right, we Thanks. save that for later, or perhaps aftershock. Maybe. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Kofi members, stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> but before we do uh, the news, let's do a little bit of email. Mail, mail, we've got mail. That's all you get for free. Email, email. D D D D D D D D email. First one's from two is one. A dear geek shock. Uh, once again, my ears have failed me. Not only could I not judge your fine people's height correctly from listening, it also seems I can't judge hair correctly either. I always thought Vlarg was bald. He's getting there. <laughs> like a cheaper Mr. Burns. And with the luscious locks comments were just cruel jokes about the wispy strands he had left. That That's actually true. <laughs> Nevertheless, I will continue to avoid all images of you all and continue to picture the selection of mullets, bowl cuts, and various terrible facial hairs I already pictured. Listening as accurately as a Mexican knockoff daredevil, two is one. <laughs> actually, I, I actually, Vlarg shaved bald but keeping that beard. It would work. Yeah. It would absolutely work. Well, oh, I, I hope it works because I'm getting there. I am getting there. <laughs> it's ironic that I had the, the long lady luscious hair for the very longest time if i could paint a picture to our listeners uh if you have uh, are familiar with the straight black long-haired vampire that was barry's hair it wasn't p poker straight i have we <laughs> <Yeah. you. laughs> it was wow. close to poker straight. wow you 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 touched a nerve there yeah. when you when you ponytail when you pull it back it's straight yeah yeah um and then, uh, it, you know, it, it starts to get thin. And it's, I'm most ironic that, that I have, the, I think, the thinnest hair of all you people. Uh, yeah, I know. Thank you, Biggs. No, no, no. Yeah. Put, put it this way. Uh, if, <laughs> For if, my age. If you looked at Barry, you would expect him to break out with a singing of Love You to Death or My Girlfriend's Girlfriend, uh, but with a higher voice and a shorter stature. That's, that's what he looked like. I'll take that. Peter Steele was awesome. <laughs> 
listen to your listen to some uh, typo negative kids. It's good for you. Uh, but now I have short hair, and I am the shortest one here. So just so you're aware, I am about somewhere between five seven and five eight. What, what height are you people? I'm five nine. Oh, you're taller than five nine. I'm five nine. Well, depends on my haircut. How tall are you, Jeff? Six foot. K. Six one. Bigs. Six three. Fucking giants, all of you. <laughs> yeah. The fuck are they feeding you people? <laughs> then again, I am like born of another country where the people are generally short. So, I uh, it's it's kind of weird because I'm I'm tall, but I am never the tallest person in the room. Everywhere I go, there's always at least one person taller. Is that why you invite me over? Pretty much. <laughs> you make me feel masculine. Barry, you, wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're just gonna let that one hang in the air. More of a man oh, when you're God. around. <laughs> and Deb's like five six, <laughs> and could beat up any one of us. Yeah. I, I, we uh, before the show started, she has the most rage. We we talked about a uh, we talked about an email thread or text thread, folks, and. Todd mentioned uh, Deb and Steve getting into a dick-waving contest, and we were like, Steve was doomed. Nobody's going to win a dick-waving contest against Deb. Nope. <laughs> Hands down. Nope. She will whip you every time. So, uh, The next email is from Jake. Uh, this is regarding his submission to Red Light, Green Light a while back mm. when he submitted Mick oh, Foley's God. Santa Slam, <laughs> oh, uh, which wow. failed horribly. <laughs> In that, so just to paint the early picture of this mail, uh, the mail reads, "Hey fuckers," with That's extra it. emphasis on fuckers. So you didn't like Mick Foley's <laughs> Santa Slam? Nope. Good. You fell for my trap as planned. At least, see, allow me to explain. Back in May. You made a gripe about AI in terms of writing. Later that day, I saw one of M Matt Santa's camp posts, and I also saw some random post about Mick Foley being s the awesome human being that he is. And for some reason, I thought, I wonder what an AI would generate as a pitch for combining Foley and Santa, since Foley is a huge Christmas nut. So I ran it through ChatGPT. The pitch you read out was what was produced. You all universally hated it, as you should, because AI can't write for shit. So the moral of the story, Hollywood, pay your writers. As far as I'm concerned, I still hold the record with the most successful pitch with the con life, which I created with my twisted imagination. So suck it. Keep up the good work, Jake. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, but the, the priest who lost his face thing in space. Really? <laughs> no, that was Aussie Matt. <laughs> yeah, sit down, Aussie Matt. Take that. That's right. I screwed that one up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, and that only brings us to news you don't give a shit about. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, when Deb's not here, you got me for this. <laughs> wow. I bet Barry doesn't hear that often. <laughs> <laughs> or does he? <laughs> The most. <laughs> what is it with your sounds today? You're the worst Foley person ever. <laughs> At least they're coming out of his mouth. What do you got? Please <laughs> don't give a shit about most non-fungible tokens, NFTs. Oh, Jesus Christ. A unique asset stored on the blockchain that cannot be replicated unless you can right-click. <laughs> <laughs> They have no value. Cryptocurrency analysis Dap Gamby 
determined that out of the 73,257 total NFT collections it analyzed, 69,795 had a zero Ether market cap, which is to say zero dollars. When even looking at the 8,850 brand name top NFT collections like CryptoPunks, 18% of them now have a zero dollar floor price and the 41% that are worth are worth between five and one hundred dollars quote which may signal signal a lack of perceived value among these digital assets uh gamble surmises the situation may be bleaker than these numbers suggest the analytics site continues for example mac contract on ethereum has a floor price of thirteen thousand two hundred thirty four dollars but its all-time sales is eighteen dollars this stark discrepancy between the listed floor prices and the actual sales data exposes a significant issue in the NFT market, inflated valuations that don't reflect genuine buyer interest or real-world transactions. Dapgami's research is depressing, I guess, for tons of people scammed out of millions through their various NFT rug pulls in the last two years, including a group of Logan Paul fans still waiting on the $1.3 million he promised as compensation for his non-existent NFT-based game Crypto Zoo. So... If you're dreaming about the NFT payout, that dream, oh, let that dream continue. Wow, Dab Gamby, no shit. <laughs> you will have better luck trying to sell your old Disney VHSs for 10000 bucks each than you will for making money off of <sighs> NFTs. Good, because I got a few of those. <laughs> I, 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 I can't believe anybody thought that was going to go somewhere. I can't believe anyone had to pay a research firm to say such no shit news. <laughs> Actually, it's, there are some people who need that Bread kind. is made of grain. Yeah. The fuck? It, it is really fascinating how it's just another one of those where wealthy people create something to try to generate a perceived value. Yeah, because actually they, NFTs uh-huh. did make money yeah. for that yes. first line of uh, you know pretty smart... It's, scam artists. It's a modern day pyramid scheme, and and uh, except the pyramid's like an inch tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. You bl- got a base that's a mile square. I'm blanking out on the name of the tall. the documentary, but it uh, it was about NFTs, and they were talking about how it parallels the whole art gallery uh, mm-hmm. scene, where you know. People are told that a painting is worth X amount of dollars, and the only people that can buy it are wealthy people that turn around and try to convince other people, oh, look, this is worth this amount of money, and some sucker will pay that money and then turn around and find out it's worthless. I, so. I'm still waiting for the for the final death knell of cryptocurrency, because when are people going to realize that that doesn't exist literally? It does oh, yeah. exist. And NFTs and cryptocurrency are based on the same yeah. same trend. So And every <clears throat> perceived value. It's just, just like the dollar. Just about everybody I saw who were who was really getting interested in cryptocurrency, uh, they seem to be a lot of them sounded like the libertarian crowd because it, yeah. it, it, it was like it's you know, the th- wrong this people. is not central bank. This is not a 
government. This is, you know, blockchain is going to be the future of, of uh, currency uh, exchange on the internet and in the world. And That's a good parallel. Cryptocurrency is like libertarianism is like nudism. <laughs> it's good in theory, but all the wrong people are doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Crypto, like... Taken at face value, fuck, I'm, I'm in, I'm down. Uh, decentralized currency, fine, let's do it. But, ugh, what they've turned it into. Well, I mean, okay, you say that, and you say that about the dollar, which, again, I have a little joke in my classes about that. But at least, at least actual currency is backed by governments, is backed by, you know, a, a promise. And sometimes that promise says... The lovely people in the Weimar Republic found out that promise is, uh, you know, not great. But it, at least in theory, it is backed by something. Right. The problem with the anti-government crowd is that when that backing fails, that's not something unique to government. Right. Like crypto in it of itself is. You know, the, I mean, that, how many times has it already has bottomed failed. out? And people still come back to it. Yes, yeah. and 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 it 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 happens. It can happen to so much. It, it it's it's not like it's a unique to government thing, right? It, you know, anything. As soon as people realize, for instance, in two thousand seven, that there's no such thing as a million dollar home in Norco. <laughs> 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 you know, then the market will bottom out in the real estate, you know, industry, and then everyone's like, "Oh, how'd that happen?" Well, because you fucking overinflated everything, and you sure. know, had had people do well, you know, and then lie there to me were, loans. then there were yeah unscrupulous people who actually bought into the failure, right? Like you know, okay, this is gonna fail fail big so let's get in on that you should shit. watch a movie called the big short yeah right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. a great film. it is a great film yeah. yeah i'm still convinced that nfts existed just to give some people something to do with crypto hey Torgo, probably yeah. have probably. you seen the big short no oh that's going on the list yeah yeah it's it's good <laughs> news don't give a shit about a reboot of the reboot of the office is in development and the project's being led by the creator of the U.S. adaptation of the series, Greg Daniels. There, There's no other details to share. There's no word on if members of the original cast are going to return or be even involved. The memes on the this one, the last one, were, are still warm. <laughs> the news comes over a decade after the original series came at an end. Uh, Has okay. it been 10 years that since that ended? Wow. So... Office obviously started in the UK. They did the American version, very successful in the US, especially through streaming. And uh, so, do we, will America or the world accept another reboot of The Office? No. Uh, I think the upcoming Frasier TV series will, in some ways, start to answer that. Will it though? Maybe because that's a continuation of Frasier. It's not yeah. like we've recast Frasier as right. You yeah, know, but when we're telling new now, now modern you're, stories, now you're thinking you're thinking way beyond Hollywood producer oh, thinking. Shoot, Todd, you know, dial it back, dude. Okay, what do I need to bring back? What do I need to <laughs> it, let go of here? They'll look, they'll look at Frasier and they're like, oh, another Frasier. Well, shit, another Office. Well, another Nip Tuck. Well, shit, another Sopranos. 
is that what we have to look forward to now? Like every 15 to 20 years, they're just going to reboot the same idea? We need yeah. to be clear on the terms here. Reboot another. These are incorrect terms because Frasier is not a reboot. It is not. It's, it's not, a continuation. It's, I, not like it's a I, continuation I or it's more Frasier. But it's what's tech- I think you're. I think you're going too far in thinking for a Hollywood bean counter who's looking for the next sure thing. And, and I think Steve's right. If Frasier... If this latest incarnation of Frasier will work, they're gonna. It, it won't necessarily be bring back the same old people. They will be. We'll get plenty of that. But I think a lot of people will be. Oh, yeah. uh, but a, a mafia family in New Jersey, the Altos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to be fair, Barry. To, to be, be fair, fair. Uh, Frasier is a reboot. It's it's technically known as a soft reboot because what they do is they take one. Or maybe two of characters from the original. It's called a spinoff. And no, it's not necessarily a spinoff. They Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. Yeah, but yes, but th- but this is the a same soft... main character. Yes, this is a soft reboot of Frasier because as of right now, the only series regular they are bringing back is Frasier Crane. But okay. one of the cool concepts actually behind this is they go back to Boston. His... No, his son. Right. Yeah. His his grown up son, which I was like, okay, that kid grew up a lot in ten years. You know, or, but what, was it you know, twenty but it, now? But it was well twenty. Yeah, and it's because that 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 character is in that age range. I don't know what he yeah. is specifically, but I was like, hey, okay, they took the kid from there, and the, he's grown up now, and now it's that dynamic. They're actually playing with something there. I can actually respect that. I have no idea if I'm going to like that, you know? But at least that's an idea. Well, what I found fascinating, though, based on what little I have seen of it and some of the early reviews is that they took the son's storyline and basically washed it away, pretended like it didn't exist, and he is now the blue-collar father role that uh, I forget the actor's name played on the original Frasier. Um, they they basically yes yeah. they basically just said okay well we don't have him around anymore we could just m- say that he has rejected everything that his his mother and father raised him. The big misstep. To be, the big misstep there. Throw him in there is that Mahoney was great. Well, okay. yes, I can't. You, you know, you can sit there and you could look at Frazier and say, I can't see it without John Mahoney. I can't see it without what's her name. Right. The, 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 but really, really the foil, the one who helped make that series work was Niles. Yeah. yeah. And not having him... On the one hand, I think that the only my- character that was more Frasier than Frasier. Yes. <laughs> so, so then you will be happy to know that the reviews I've read of the first few episodes are not that the son is a blue collar dad thing; he is a fussier Niles. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, but but I mean, the character was embodied by David Hyde Pierce, right? Because that's what I was shooting for. Oh, right, Pierce. Pierce and 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 uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer. Thank you. Uh, they were phenomenal. Yeah, they, 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 it was absolutely one of the best sitcom pairings. Yeah. in television history. For, I mean, those characters, the, those two actors, they're working off each other. Phenomenal. Yeah, for yep. two actors that barely knew each other before the series, 
they sure came across Mag- like, like actual family. Magnificent. Is so it, and the chemistry to, is amazing. That to me is like the big thing that would be missing about a, a Fraser a soft reboot or what have you. I fucking hate that term. It's not a reboot. <laughs> I don't care what they call it. It's a stupid a, a name. F- a Frasier Barry aggravation. Continuation. <laughs> um, Continuation. <laughs> yeah. Sequel? Fine. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the office. Um, I, we'll see. I, you know, nobody thought that a remake or, a, you know, a, a, a different Star Trek... <laughs> Would work in 1987, and it did. You know, a whole it, new you know, cast didn't quite work in the first season, but yeah, you know, I they honestly second had problems too. I was yeah. honestly well, amazed how many people liked The Office because I never got into it. I never um, did either, but I liked the I liked what I saw of the original British version. But every time I would sit down to watch the the domestic version, I just I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I I, I tried you know, multiple times. I, I I had a hard time with the first couple of seasons too. But everyone was like, "Oh, you gotta watch The Office. Gotta watch The Office." Like, fuck, fine. And then I got into it later, but not vehemently. You know, not. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't all the way with The Office like some people are now. Parks and Rec. See, and that's the one that I tried to get into because of uh, Michael Schur, the producer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because The Good Place is brilliant. Yes. Absolutely. And, and so I was like, okay, well, then I'll give Parks and Rec a, a try. And I watched the first season and maybe the first few episodes of season two, and I was like, it's okay. <laughs> See, that's how I felt about <laughs> The Office. Yeah. And I like Parks and Rec a little more. Maybe my experience was tempered by The Office, and I was expecting it to be like, okay, it's another office. Oh, it's a little better than The Office. Yeah, and see, mine was uh, tempered the other by way. Good yeah, Place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was going to say, I also Good Place was good immediately. Yeah. I could not get into Parks and Rec at all either. Now, it could also be because the types of characters that Amy Poehler plays just are so cringy to me. <laughs> I, I I can't get past that. I agree. And, and it's funny because I've seen her do other acting styles. I, I don't know how you put it. You know, character yeah. types mm-hmm. that don't bother me. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, that character type that she keeps tending to play it, in if, series television just makes me want to change the channel Jeff, so I 100% fast. 100% agree with you and she is the star of the show but it's everyone else that's good about that show See, to me. If I can be serious about my disdain for Josh Gad for just a second. Oh, oh please. Oh, <laughs> you already have my attention. Yeah. Um, so Josh Gad is terrible. Terrible. Anytime he is left to his own devices and especially on more improvisa- improvisation-based TV shows like Avenue 5, Hork. Ugh. Uh, Which the is first funny because thing- he's got a background in improv. I, and <laughs> that doesn't boy, mean anything. Just, yeah. And uh, the first thing I ever saw him in was he played the, the son of um, uh, Bill Pullman's president character in a TV sitcom Oh, you know, a decade and a half ago, but at this point, probably. He's in the rocker with uh, Rain Wilson, too. Yeah. Anyway, he's terrible. But then when you have a director that sits on him, <laughs> like we were going to make the joke about murder on the Orient Express, and then here's Josh Gad ruined the entire movie. But no, he was actually, he actually played a yeah. character on that. After the first scene with Gad, I was like, well, this movie sucks. It totally ruined now. And Steve's like, oh, okay. That's how I feel about Jack Black. Yeah. 
Well, Jack Black, another one. He, he's a guy that needs a director to sit on him yeah. or give him a focus because he's been great in certain things. The the one where he played the the guy in Texas who you know cozied up to the woman who. Oh right, the yeah. Widow. I can't remember the title of that one. What? I know what he. I do know what, what? he's talking about. Okay. That's great. I have no idea, no clue. <laughs> Well, if you would put up with a hang on, hold on. What a no. fantastic <laughs> yeah. old. I'm sorry, Steve, but what a fantastic old man description of a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. The <laughs> guy I, in Texas who uh, I think that was direct- with the 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 widowed woman. Let me guess, it was directed by Clint Eastwood, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I I enjoyed um, Jack Black in King Kong. Yeah, I thought he was miscast in that. Bernie. Bernie. I Googled Jack Black Widow Texas. I got Bernie. <laughs> yeah, Bernie. That's it. He's actually really good in that. Uh, Josh Gad is really good in that werewolf TV show. Um, Does he get eaten? Werewolf by night? Nope. Oh. One, it's uh, uh, Werewolf by day. Uh, werewolf by He's brunch? not the werewolf. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's his girlfriend <laughs> or wife who is the girlfriend. We're, we're now playing the game oh, of what that, was that movie that actor God was in, it. it's and it's Peacock a horrible thing. Right the one that no one saw. Yeah, let's, I don't know. let's play that game. That sounds like a good geek shock game. Let's put that out there. <laughs> what was that one film? What was that movie was that, that I mean, actor was in? Our fans already yell at their uh, yeah, streaming device when yeah. we, we say yes, something they can't that remember. is the point. There's, there's a whole a pe- bunch of people out there doing to their phones what I used to do to the phone when I would listen to the show. God damn it, it's this. Um, it doesn't so matter. Anyway, it's Josh yeah. Gad. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. So, Don, Josh Gad, some uh, good, yes. Okay, Frank. You just don't give a shit about. Okay. Like Josh Wolf Gad. like me. Josh Gad, for instance. Wolf like me, Steve. Blum. That's it. That's it. Wolf like me. I'm so glad we you tried, answered Todd. that question. You tried. You tried. You were almost there. You were like, you know, he wasn't going to let it go. So, getting that out of the way, you know, so we can finish the show. You know, as much as you and I both don't like Josh Gad, and I can't stand Jack Black, we sure do give them a lot of audio time. I know. I know. Living rent free in your head. I know. <laughs> you don't give a shit about Blumhouse wrapped up its Halloween trilogy with Halloween ends in 2022. The trilogy was directed by David Gordon Green. The last chapter of the story was marketed as being the final battle between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. While Blumhouse's time with the horror franchise is over, Miramax is now actively shopping around the rights to the franchise in Hollywood. According to Bloody Disgusting, quote, there is a massive bidding war going on right now with several different parties interested in vying for the chance to bring Michael Myers back to life, unquote. The uh, report also says that, quote, Miramax has opened to both film and television projects, and they're currently taking offers from studios and streamers alike, unquote. So Let even, it die! So even though we saw the last Michael Myers movie, we haven't seen the last Michael Myers movie. It's still it too fresh! It would be fresh. awesome if they based any future movies on Season of the Witch. Uh, <laughs> yes! Accept it! Accept yes. your proposition! I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. There we go. <laughs> wow. I say, how's this how, How's this for a gimmick, guys? Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood. Uh, Halloween, right? Okay. But the Donald Pleasance character? Mm-hmm. Doctor? William Shatner. <laughs> and you have a crazy killer in a William Shatner mask. No, in a Donald Pleasance mask. <laughs> Yes. Uh, here's Barry to ruin my idea. 
That's what he does, Kirsten. It is the Amityville of Halloween movies. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween ends is still. When did it come out? Like, I have six. I don't think I've seen a Halloween movie since three. the 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 final one was twenty twenty two. Oh my god, the corpse is still warm. Well, it's a slasher movie, Barry. The, all the corpses are warm. Yeah, and and apparently uh, Michael Myers is immortal now. So yeah, you know, yeah. I'm still waiting for them to do a decent Friday the Thirteenth again. Wicked Geek, Yay! please, something Michael good. Myers, astronaut. <laughs> oh man, like, barely alive. Like uh, yeah. yeah, Pinhead. Uh, actually, if you cast the actual Mike Myers as an astronaut, I'm in. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. Ooh, Michael Myers in a Mike Myers mask. Yeah. Mike Michael Myers played by Mike Myers. Yes. In a Mike Myers in mask. In a Mike Myers mask. Michael Myers playing all the Mike Myers characters from Saturday Night Live. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I got it. We've gone too He far. plays it in a Austin Powers mask. Ah, uh, yeah, is, baby, yeah. My, my name is Michael, and I'd like to do probing. James Gunn has confirmed which DC characters won't be recast so far, following the uproar over Henry Cavill's Superman recasting last year. Per Gunn's Threads account, Freddy Stroma will continue to play Vigilante, Zolo Mariduena will stay on as Blue Beetle, Viola Davis will maintain her role as Amanda Waller, and John Cena will keep playing Peacemaker. Earlier earlier this year, a post from Jason Momoa spawned rumors that the actor would no longer play Aquaman and instead join Gunn's new DC Universe as Lobo. Yes! In terms of official confirmed news, uh, David Cornsweet is our new Clark Kent slash Superman, and uh, Marvelous Ms. Maisel star Rachel Brosnan will play Lois Lane. Uh, Gal Gadot. Uh, Gal Gadot claims that uh, both James Gunn and Peter Safran assured her that another Wonder Woman movie will be made with her in it. And Superman Legacy is DCU's first official film set to hit theaters 2025. Yeah. So Corn Sweat? Corn Corn Sweat. sweat. Yep. Corn Sweat. C-O-R-E-N-S-W-E-T. So sweaty corn. (laughs) How, someone, how, how, someone who sweaty, embraced their name, Sweaty how, Corin. How, uh, how uh, young is he that like it, it would be awkward if he was to play Superman opposite Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman? He is thirty. Just turned thirty. Because mm. mm. I, I kind of like that. And she's approaching forty. Yeah, get some Wonder Woman, Superman, mom cest vibe <laughs> going. It'd be kind of. Steve, how old is Wonder Woman? Immortal. So who cares? <laughs> Have you been on the internet, <laughs> dude? I, I try not to. You, 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 you've seen how people like freak out about uh, Edward and uh, Kristen Stewart. They, no, they, no, I don't really. Know. Yeah, they do. They're they're just like that's like the creepiest. He's immortal. He's like he's two hundred and she's and, only and she's a teenager. Oh my god, the that is so problematic. Yeah, if you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Wonder Woman, she, she's not, she's not allowed. She was robbing the cradle with Steve Trevor. Yeah, she's not allowed to fuck anybody. <laughs> well, none of them were. There was an island of Amazons. You know, each other, really. Yeah. Age is just no a man. state of mind, man. 
<laughs> you make a great hippie. That's the thing about those DC superheroes, man. The older I get, the more they stay the same. <laughs> yeah, because they're in print. How about you read some news? <laughs> Anyway, I'm looking forward to David Corn Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan. That's a um, corn sweat. Corn, corn sweat. sweat. Oh boy. Barry, hold on to your tits. <laughs> One of the highest rated board games of the last two decades will soon be playable digitally as popular online table platform Board Game Arena announced that it planned to add Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition to its portfolio of yes! titles. <laughs> Let those tits go. The sprawling game of civilization building, exploration, and delegation only requires players to earn 10 victory points in order to claim the title of Medical Rex, but doing so can be a lengthy process. Every campaign's board is uniquely constructed of hex tiles representing the galaxy. The players control one of 17 unique factions, each boasts their own specific abilities and modes of interacting with each other and the rest of the galaxy. Players take turns announcing their strategy for the round, moving their fleets through sectors of space, attempting to satisfy both public and hidden objectives. They might explore new planets, engage in warfare with their neighbors, or research new technology. Once a round is complete, all players gather as a council to enact new laws that will change the shape of the game going forward. Since its release in 2017, Twilight Imperium has developed a reputation for possessing a grand scale Incredibly complex and satisfying interaction and a rich fiction that develops throughout play. But a group must commit a lot of time and effort to see the campaign to its conclusion. Oh, yeah. I always use it at the top of a scale from how complex is this game from Shoots and Ladders to Twilight Imperium. You know, uh, I'm very happy to hear this. This is a game that if you are going to play it, that is a game that is something you plan way ahead of time. With the people that will not leave. Yeah, you tell all your friends, okay, you need to watch this video for the rules. You need to you download the, this PDF for the basic rules and get to know them. Then we're going to go over them for an hour when you get to the table. And then you will commit for like six, seven hours. We'll order pizza, something. Six, if you're lucky. I, like I said, I first time I ever played this game, I there was an hour set up at a game store and because I had nothing else to do that day and I was there for eight hours and it was it was glorious I lost heartily but it was glorious oh yes fantastic game amazing game uh however I do have questions being board game arena right yeah this probably isn't a game we'd be able to play with our Kofi members why to have that much time eked out I don't have that much time to eke out. Oh, on a it's something day. to plan well yes. in advance. You you need to make sure you have at least eight hours set. Yeah, and the time. Yeah. However, I can't imagine playing this game on board game arena with strangers with a turn based setup. That because you can play two ways on board game arena, right? You play real time where everyone is present, everyone takes the turn after the next one's done, and you have a certain amount of time to do your turn. Or you can do the turn base where people have an allotted allotted amount of time to take their turn, yeah. usually a day or two, depending on the setup. Yeah. A game of Twilight Imperium done with that setup will take four years. Okay, so here's what I want to do when it launches. I want to do a turn based one where you can have very long time between turns 
and I gotta find the right people to never leave this game. And we'll we'll it'll take a year, but we'll get through it, and it'll be great. Uh, it'll I be think like you, play by mail. I think you should stick to <laughs> yes! to Candyland or Cootie. Uh, play by mail. Play by mail Cootie. is a fine example of what this will be. Yeah, but no, we we're definitely. Gonna, I will not be happy until I build and a war sun and drive it into your home system and. D- Smash your home planet to smithereens. You then I will be complete. I will not be happy. Oh, what was that, Steve? <laughs> he could have, he could have ended that sentence with "I will not be happy." Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. not going to let him do that. <laughs> Especially now I know his plan. I know that's how to counteract that. Yeah. Jeez, fool. Coming right for you. <laughs> Bending all my resources to the construction of a war sun, which is basically like a Death Star. And I am bending right over and opening my ash and sh- having it shout your name. I'm going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I may lose the game, as, but I don't care as long as I get to destroy your world with a war sun. Wow. Yeah, is- but his world will die with your name on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Ace Ventura. Still calling it a win. <laughs> now Torgo is talking with I'm his I'm setting ass. my own win conditions. <laughs> Let's be clear. That, that's okay. We're setting ours. That would be like pe- freaking Peter Frampton only with his fart. <laughs> that is accurate. 100%. You've heard it before, Jeff. You know. Uh, <laughs> sadly, yes. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank uh, Kirsten for sending me this one. It's a, what it, do? This is a the story is oh. a little long, so bear with me. You know, stop me if you need to at any given point, but I'll try to answer as best I can. Uh, but this is what I've been able to put together. This this is uh, from Dicebreaker. That's a website with a board game news. A tabletop RPG publisher is suing Netflix over its canceled adaptation of upcoming Zack Snyder's movie Red uh, Rebel Moon. Uh, Evil Genius Games lawsuit says that the company began working with Netflix on a Rebel Moon tabletop RPG earlier this year. Evil Genius says that Snyder's plans for his sci-fi epic included expanding its universe via tabletop RPG, quote, expressly requesting that there be a Rebel Moon-based role-playing game if the project was signed by Netflix. Quote, to Mr. Snyder, a role-playing game was critical to the development of the entire Rebel Moon universe since it would provide content for future Rebel Moon derivatives. The lawsuit reads, Evil Genius says it pitched a Rebel Moon role-playing game that it claims, quote, blew Netflix and Snyder away and secured it the rights to work on the official adaptation. The RPG maker claims that when it started working with Netflix in early 2023, Rebel Moon consisted of, quote, the movie script, some rough ideas for the Rebel Moon universe, and some cursory graphical assets, unquote, but little else, with uh, background information vital to the story as a whole and to the world, including descriptions of alien races, planets, key characters, as well as a clear storyline for how the Rebel Moon universe originated, all missing. Evil Genius claims that it, quote, supplied all the missing pieces and created a cohesive backstory for the entire Rebel Moon franchise. In the form of a, quote, world Bible, the 228-page document was originally created to be an in-house reference for the tabletop RPG, but apparently impressed Snyder and Netflix executives to the point that Snyder indicated that significant elements of the Bible would be worked into the director's multi-film universe 
as well as other Rebel Moon works such as graphic novels, animated series, and a novel. The RPG itself saw the creation of a 430-page player guide, 337-page Game Master's Guide, with Evil Genius, that's the game company, claiming it dropped all its other projects to ensure the game was finished in time for the Rebel Moon's planned release date of December 22nd. According to the studio, the tabletop RPG was in the final stages of editing by May. Mere weeks later, however, the partnership fell apart as Netflix accused Evil Genius of breaching its confidentiality agreement and, quote, Netflix's trust, terminating the partnership and effectively canceling the release of the Rebel Moon RPG. Hmm. The accusation stemmed from meetings between Evil Genius and retailers at the tabletop trade show Gamma in April, where artwork from the Rebel Moon RPG was shown to retailers and distributors in, according to Evil Genius, efforts to create some industry buzz about the upcoming game and set it up for success upon release. Netflix claimed that the artwork was confidential and unapproved, therefore breaching the confidentiality agreement. Evil Genius, meanwhile, claims the lawsuit that Netflix, quote, never voiced any issues whatsoever with the artwork being shown and says that two Netflix employees were also present at Gamma and presented the artwork, which includes the game's cover artwork and sample characters to more than 100 retailers. Hmm. Nevertheless, Netflix halted work on the RPG as a result, stopping the release of the Rebel Moon game. In addition, Evil Genius alleges that Netflix sets, sent a follow-up letter in June attempting to hijack the World Bible created for the RPG by claiming, quote, it belongs solely and exclusively to Netflix, unquote. Uh, quoting the, uh, the lawsuit, based on this letter, it became clear that Netflix was simply using the alleged breach and termination to hijack plaintiff's intellectual property and prevent plaintiff from releasing the game, the lawsuit states. The lawsuit adds the claim that Netflix offered Evil Genius $50,000 to, quote, basically go away, forgive Netflix for its pretextual hijacking of the project, and hand over the game to them mm. with amicable attempts to resolve the disagreement failing. So well, there is the whole story as we know it so far, and a lot of this comes from Evil Genius. Netflix hasn't done a lot of uh, talking to uh, journalists on this thus far. That sure sounds like Netflix trying to hijack it because the not because of the game they could give a shit about that. I think it's they really want that World Bible so they don't have to pay Evil Genius every time they want to make a another movie or some some TV show or whatever. Yep. That's exactly what it sounds like. That sounds dirty as fuck. Yes, it does. So this, so this is an ongoing story with this lawsuit. Uh, the first salvo in this story. I'll be paying attention to this as time goes on. But yeah, that's some dirty trick shit. Yeah. That's dirty. That is that is your classic. Well, what the, what the lawsuit was all about is, you know, you get writers to work for basically free. And then you steal all their ideas. The strike? Yep. And uh, and then try to find some loophole reason to rip the rug out all, all together under yeah. them. 400-page Game Master Guide? 300-page? That's juicy. Oh, that's big. That's monstrous. I yeah. mean, even a world Bible of 220 pages yeah. plus is pretty heavy for yes. a world Bible. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's huge. Yep. A huge, definitely more than $50,000 worth of creative uh, work yeah. there. Fuck Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, okay, so, God, this is your classic, um, what is it, penny, penny wise and pound foolish nonsense. 
pay these guys a million a million plus a certain percentage on the back end and this all goes away and it could be what that lawsuit is basically looking for yeah god i wouldn't be surprised if this is settled out yeah yeah because i mean these guys aren't going to be able to use rebel moon because you know that's netflix slash um um Zack snyder Zack snyder's ip but on the other hand they added to it all this other stuff so it's not solely netflix's ip now either so just pay your writers god damn it i How like hard is this? i like the irony too because rebel moon is in of itself uh, <laughs> yeah. Zack snyder you know being told to walk away by star wars oh so, good point yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, why was he told to walk away no, I, they, he, I, I don't know the, because he pitched it, and and they were, like, were they know, were they ever on board or did no, they just, no no they, no they it, just said no right off you know it's probably all full of dark and gritty Ayn Randy and bullshit that he's trying to shoehorn into you know what is basically an optimistic universe in Star yeah. Wars, yes. Well, the I like that Rebel story, Moon starts nice. off with the mysterious murder of that one Jedi called the funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The right people get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's too bad. I'm looking forward to Rebel Moon and that game. I, I mean, shit, you know, Todd will tell you, I collect role-playing games even if I'm not going to play them. <laughs> so that would definitely be something you'd want to pick up. Seven eight hundred pages of just wow. That's yeah. Seven hundred eight yeah. pages. That's of, a wow. That's a doorstop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's do some red light, green light. Jeez. Red light, green light. Such a fun game to play. Doesn't matter what you say. They're gonna make this shit anyway. Red light. Green we already have a theme song. Such you don't a need fun to sing. Game to play. It's someone much better. There's no <laughs> amber. You gotta go red or green. We, you know we don't even do red lights anymore. We just just give one thing our green light. Well, yeah. Oh no. We, well, I guess that's true. I mean, you know. Well, when we're he, basically red light and everything else. When, right. Well, yeah, yeah, when yeah. Todd so we starts just reading and barely gets through the first sentence, and we're like red light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Netflix will present a new Josh Gad red light. Red light. <laughs> All right, and bring this meeting of, uh, what do we call it again? Done right, done right Productions to order. Did you forget the fucking name of our studio? Yeah. We've We're, been bought and sold so many times. Right. You know. Senior moment. Right. Senior moment. <laughs> We're not. We're now called the Burger Kings because that's available. Wait, it isn't. Okay. So we have four pitches here. You get the green light, one of them each. Each of you gets... Let's, let's back that up. Each of you gets one green light. Senior moment. Ding. <laughs> we don't need a theme song. We're going to do that every time. See? Problem solved. Oh, that's so good. The show started with a problem. By the end, we have finished There's a solution. It. That's what we do. All it took was the muse named Torgo. <laughs> Seven hundred something episodes later, we found our we found our way. We're gonna present a problem at the beginning of the episode. We'll solve it by the end of the episode. <laughs> it's like a sitcom. 
and a lesson learned in a very special episode of Blossom. Read the shit. Wait, what do you wait, got? wait. Torgo, Torgo's the meme? So, Torxicori? I'm just trying to I guess I'll out. just go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you will. So you're saying the whole premise of the entire Geek Shock catalog is us wandering the desert. It's the friends we made along the way. Well, we this are This is our Vegas. kung fu. <laughs> the four pitches are, and one of them may be fake, RoboForce, Dreamwalker, Shrouded College, and The Turn of the Screw. We'll start with RoboForce. The 1980s RoboForce toy line has inspired an animated project, and the Nacelle Company has given it a straight-to-series order. They're the studio behind The Toys That Made Us, Kevin Hart's back, gu uh, Guide to Black History, and 2019's Mad About You reboot, Icons on Earth and Behind the Attraction. Lots of stuff. And they are self-financing the series. The first season is set to have six 22-minute episodes. Here's the description of the toy line, if you don't remember it. I really don't. Which you probably don't. It was the dusk of the 89th era of Vanderlock's family rule of Planet Vram. And all across the world, one word was at the top of everyone's mind. Crime. Designed by one of the oldest and most respected engineering firms, RoboForce was created from scratch to replace the aging Chew series of R-Ran Crime Stoppers. From their auto-hold suction feet to their cutting-edge prioritization and empathy system code, RoboForce was announced as a gigantic press conference on the first Tuesday of the new year. For 48 hours, Max89, RoboForce's ultimate leader, was the talk of every Vrom citizen near and far. Then came Thursday. On that day, that dark day, a rival engineering firm announced their newest RAN CS project, the Utopia 101 line, faster, smarter, stronger, and cooler than Max and his team. RoboForce was instantly relegated to desk duty and traffic jobs, if not worse. Denied respect and opportunity, RoboForce was challenged from day one, actually, Day three, to climb out of the garbage bin of history and get back to where they're supposed to be, respected and saluted. So what do you think of RoboForce? Mm -mm. Did an AI write that? Christ, yeah. did fucking Cory Doctorow write that <laughs> shit? Well, I like Cory Doctorow. Uh, I don't so, like this. Oh, red the? light. There you go. Red, red light. light. Was it Max Steel? Is that the name of the robot? Or was that or am I just thinking of a porno actor? No, there was uh, there was a Max Steel, but I don't know if that's this or not. This sounds so freaking generic. Yeah. Jeff, do you remember RoboForce? No, not at all. I th I think when you see the toys, you will. I, I mean, you know. it's possible. There are toys. There's something about suction Bong. feet that I'm like, yeah, mm. yeah, you're on it. You're on to it. Yep. Yeah. 80s doesn't remember it. Didn't He's got it? 80s right in the name. <laughs> Didn't uh, it like lots of commercials? They're like on Windows and shit like that. And I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'd look it up, but we're not supposed to look at our. No, you're not lying. I'm just looking look up Cory Doctorow books to figure out which one I really hated. <laughs> you're looking this up. What? You've just got that stuck in your head now, don't you? Yeah. That's, I'm glad you're on topic. Um, Fuck it. 
living in your head. All right, let's see how it goes against uh, Dreamwalker. The Filipino-American fantasy universe comic Dreamwalker is being adapted into a TV series with film director Mikhail Red, who did Birdshot and Record set as series director. The show is an adaptation of the Dreamwalker action fantasy graphic novel by pop culture blogger Mikey Sutton and artist Noel Leighton Flores. The novel topped the comics chart in the Philippines and was auctioned for TV adaptation. Season one will focus on the origin story of the Filipino-American protagonist, Kat, who returns to the Philippines under mysterious circumstances. She survives a bus crash and finds herself gifted with the ability to enter dreams of others and being able to extract weapons temporarily to wield against supernatural beings from Filipino folklore as she investigates the source of the monster wave while attempting to help those affected by the looming threat. How do you feel about Dreamwalker? I like the Filipino folklore aspect, but that's about it. Let me put on my fact check Andy hat and say, <clears throat> so it's uh, Dreamscape in Manila. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Dreamscape in Manila. I, I, you know, I, I, like Steve said, uh, the thing that gets my eye is my eye, my ear, I guess, is the Filipino folklore. You know, supernatural stories in, in other cultures. That, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's totally your thing. But otherwise. I mean, Dreamscape was okay. That sounds like consensus. Is this going to go on for 20 minutes? <laughs> because you said so, yes. Let's see how that goes against Shrouded College. Seth MacFarlane's production company is turning Image Comics' Shrouded College graphic novels into a TV show described as Hellboy meets Indiana Jones. The still-unfolding comic series comes from the frequent DC and Marvel writer uh, Charles Soule, who did Daredevil, Swamp Thing, Star Wars, Obi-Wan, and Anakin, and artist Will Slinney. Slinney? Slinney. Uh, Soul and Slinney reportedly will serve executive production with McFarlane. Here's the Image Comics synopsis for Health to Pay number one. The Shrouded College will give you magic, but you'll incur a debt. Until it's paid, you belong to them. Married couple Maya and Sebastian Stone took the deal. They have worked for the college ever since, using their abilities to track down 666 cursed coins. Kora, uh. a.k.a. the devil's dollar. Only a few remain. The stones are almost free, but the devil's in the details. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Shrouded College? Hellboy... With Indiana Jones, Hellboy kind of already is. The, you could almost <laughs> say Hellboy is yeah. the devil, is Indiana Jones, kind of. I mean. It's the devil and Miss Jones. I know what you're talking about. Oh. Yeah. I saw that. Um, Steve I, with the sound. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. I saw that in an actual Pussycat Theater, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you've narrowed it down to the exact theater, given the name of that oh, particular theater. Was dude. it one on Hollywood Boulevard? Dude. Was it sticky? He, he, it was gross. He, Did he, you get food? Did he, you showed get, me, he showed me. Did you get me, chicken fingers? <laughs> and a nice he showed Merlot? Me the, he showed me the raincoat that he wore there. Oh. Yeah, he's really? got it yeah. in storage. Not it stands by itself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. 
red light. <laughs> and to be clear, Jeff is red lighting Steve Biggs. That is correct. <laughs> or maybe the district. I don't know. <laughs> How about I just red light that whole half of the table? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you fist bump him. Uh, you know what? Uh, Charles Sewell is a really good writer. Yeah. Um, beyond that, yeah. All right. And finally, going against Turn of the Screw. Hulu is bringing the Turn of the Screw to the small screen with Jordan Peele at the helm. Hmm. A classic of horror fiction written by Henry James and published in 1898, The Turn of the Screw traces the story of a young governess who is charged with the care of Miles and Flora, two small orphan children abandoned by their uncle at his grand country house. The governess starts to see apparitions whose hauntings escalate, revealing the horrible truth behind the history of the manor, a subtle self-conscious exploration of the haunted house of Victorian culture. The Turn of the Screw was previously adapted for Netflix as The Haunting of Bly Manor. Peel is planning 22 30-minute episodes on Hulu. The series will be set in the era of the novel and will remain faithful to the source material. Production is slated to begin early 2024. 22? Jesus Christ. An 11-hour epic? That's... First of all, it's a short novel. You, you can... There's already been a great adaptation, live-action, dramatic adaptation of that particular short book called The Innocents done back in the 50s with Deborah Carr. It's brilliant. And it's two hours. Blind Manor was pretty good. That was about uh, eight or nine episodes. What the fuck are they going to do It was, but they also included other Henry James stories in that. Ah, that's true. They did, didn't they? Yeah. Eleven hours in his house. Who cares? I like the Jordan Peele. I like that story. I like the fact that they'd keep it uh, period, but but eleven hours is too long to tell that goddamn story. Does Jordan Peele just have a second fucking mortgage to pay now or something? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> no red light. Well, there you go. There's your stories. Robo Force, based off the toys from the '80s that no one remembers. Dreamwalker, about the woman who pulls weapons from dreams to fight monsters. Shrouded College, Indiana Jones meets Hellboy, as or just Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> and the turn of the screw from Jordan Peele. Where do you lay your green light? And you must green light one. Where do you put yours, Vlog? Shrouded College. That sounds like we can make some money off of it. Jeff, where's your green? Uh, they all just sound awful. You say that every time. That's uh, because they all <laughs> they just sound, sound awful, awful lately. Uh, I'm going to say probably Dreamwalker is the least offensive. <laughs> Steve. Uh, I will also go with the Shroud of Calls only because Charles Sewell is a, the source material is Having not read it, but I know the author is yeah. is good pedigree. Command the K. Skip me. <laughs> <laughs> we can't skip you. Uh, can't do it. I don't want to choose. You I don't want to. Rolled least in the initiative order. Uh, I just I you know none of this gets me. Uh, Roboforce just sounds and and. Indiana Jones as Hellboy as as Indiana Jones is 
And hold on. You know what? Maybe this will help. I have a question about the first one. All right. You read something on the first one, the pedigree. You listed three things that they, like the company had done or they had yeah, done. Yeah, they did the, toy, they, the toys that made us, uh, the Mad About You reboots, uh, Behind the Attraction. <laughs> I was going to say. The most wildly different thing. Yeah. Yes. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, because toys that made us, I absolutely I was, love. Yeah, because you like, toys that made us, uh? And then you said Mad About oh, you, you reboot, reboot? Oh. oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it wasn't even a continuation. Um, <laughs> I, 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 man, okay, uh, Jordan Peele, because Jordan Peele, I don't know, help him pay that second mortgage. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm lukewarm. That's, that's a, that's like, it, it's teal. It's not even a green no, light. No, no, Peele, Jordan Peele. Yeah, no, this teal light. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's no. a peel light. Like it's a, a peel light. It's like a lime green. It's it, like you a, know. All right, well, with these votes, Shrouded College is what we're moving forward with. That's what we got. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make the money. We're going to make the money on this. I can feel it. Now. Make the money. It got to make the money. Of these, if any of these. Money. Which one's fake? Roboforce. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. All right, so Kay says Roboforce. Steve says Roboforce. Vlark? Roboforce. It sounds like it was written by an AI, even if... Even if it wasn't, I would have still red lit this thing. Red light like at a railroad crossing red light. Bad. With the, no. Like, with the bells going ding, 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 like, ding, ding. Like the train going. Take an innocent child and just slit its throat right over a searchlight so it's bathed in its blood kind of red. Yeah. I'm, I'm not comfortable what right now fuck? at all. Where oh, the hell God. did you go with me? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Watching too many Insidious movies. I know, right? <laughs> Yikes. I, I've seen a few movies. Jeff! Which one was McFarlane attached to? It was the third one, right? Shrouded College. Shrouded College. I think that's the fake one. Really? Mm. Yep. Mm. Well, this week, there is one fake one. And it is from none other than Pat Spurl. And it is Turn of the Screw. Oh, thank God. <laughs> 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 Eleven episodes, eleven hours. Fuck no. no. That means Shrouded College, Dreamwalker, and yes, Roboforce are in some form of development. Have you heard of these robots? I remember. I think I had one of them actually. I've heard Transformers, GoBots, never Roboforce. Uh, I, I, will, I will put a picture up. Uh, <laughs> frankly, you, probably you, you for want, this you episode. You want to be even further disillusioned? Yeah. There was a RoboForce movie yeah. in 1984. Oh, yeah. It it sold decently at the time, uh, enough that somebody thinks there's some nostalgia for it. Mm. Okay, I remember one of these robots. You remember I do Max? Not remember, yes. I don't remember any of the rest of these. <laughs> Until we get a Major Matt Mason movie or TV show. I, I, a Major these, Matt TV show? That'd be interesting. Major, yeah, yeah, Major Matt Mason. <laughs> Major Matt Mason. Uh, I mean, it's just... Oh, Robo! <laughs> Barry just got that check mark wow. on that box. I I remember these robots. There was a playset. There was, you know, I had a few of these, and I don't know where I got them. I may have gotten them at a garage sale, but I remember having the Max Roboforce thing. Because I, I, I remember those stupid little yes, hands. Yes, the suction cup that yeah. you could, you could, quote, stick it on any surface 
which is bullshit because it only stuck on like your refrigerator. Yeah, and and I and I never really played with them because I didn't know what it probably I didn't stuck know on what a the window. story was, and they didn't <laughs> stick on anything. Like I think I got them secondhand where all the sticky had gone out. Well, did so you lick just... the suction cup? Or... Ew. No, you don't lick suction cups. Yeah, you do. Uh, That's yeah, how you, get them you to do. Stick. That's how you get them to stick. <laughs> you people will lick anything. This it's true, they will. They will. Who yeah. do you mean, you people? I mean yeah. you. I mean people. you people. <laughs> Specifically, you two people. <laughs> you two roommates. You two. <laughs> Love here. Both of you. <laughs> Licking tentacles or whatever you're doing it's over there. Brennan Stimpy Room. And if you have a pitch to us, send to us, you can write it to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com, put pitches bitches in the headline, and uh, put your body of the pitch there. If you don't want me to edit it, put your body put your body in your pitch. Put your body. <laughs> I want you to put work it out. Body. But don't pitch your body. Lick the screen and then sit, send. <laughs> and <then laughs> it'll stick better. And 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 do it quick. Well, no, don't do it quick, because we probably still have like 50... Pat Spurls. We have a few. Go through, yeah. We have a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, I want to thank all our Kofi members, particularly Tier Three: Dance Tech Lassa, Daniel Loser, Adrian Kirsch, Major Man, Michael Hoffman, Azrael One Seven Five, Mohan Nair, The Microscope, Steve Biggs, Elena Nup, Kenton Miller, Asia Sh- Asia Shaki, Asia Shaki. Yes. Dot, okay. Wait, he said that like three different ways. One, which yeah, one, one of them if will I stick. Say it, if I say it all the ways, one of them's right. Fige. Perfect. <laughs> Alexander Beige. West, Comer Geek, and Leon Cox, and of course, Tier 4 members, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Kunkel, and our beautiful Tier 5 members, Jeff Harris, Ozzy Matt, Mad Martron, Glumley, and Atomic Gumby. Special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song's called The Burning Light. Find it at his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our red light, green light theme writer is Justin Nozick, a.k.a. Froyong Softserve. You can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And of course, you, beautiful listener. Without you, there is no show. It's just us talking at microphones and being idiots. So thank you <laughs> for making our idiocy matter. And until next week, I am Master Dorgo. 80s Jeff. Commander confused. Don't lick things with Professor Biggs. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Roboforce. Mm. Yeah, nah. Wow. Never understood the robots. Yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. What, what do you mean you never understood <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. robots? You didn't know what they were five minutes ago. Well, no, when I had them, I didn't know they were called Roboforce. Just weird. Here's these weird robots I got somehow. Someone with suction cups on with there. suction cups that don't really stick. Is there a story? Are they part of a yeah. universe? There was I already a, There was a movie. You need to see the movie. No, I don't. Yeah. There is no such thing as Clockwork Vlard. And you got you to gotta, mm-hmm. gotta lick it before you start. The movie, not the You figure. mean lick it before you stick it? Yep. Lick it before you stick, stick it. it. Mm, mm, mm. Clark is the wacky wall walker of the group. Let's face it. <laughs> the worst of those wacky wall walkers where you get the thing and then like you, you drop on the rug and then you get like rug stuck to yeah, it. And yeah. It, oh, God. Yeah. You have to rinse yeah. them off with water. Yeah. And then, and then they lost no, their sticky. It, it did be, I, oh, well, that was slime. That's, you know what? That has Fine. now replaced. What's Vlarg like? Ah, he's like a wacky wall walker that you drop it on the carpet. He's covered in just fuzz and sticky now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly accurate. <laughs> <laughs>
He's fuzzy and sticky, and he won't lick it. He's fuzzy, he's sticky, but he won't lick it. Flarg! That's me! 